I've been talking about for the last number of weeks the importance of living with your focus on the Lord and His return and the overwhelming scriptures that reference us to have to be alert, to be sober, for prayer, that these days, you know, one of the things that talks about the Lord's return, one of the main things is that it will come like a thief in the night. It will be something that's sudden, and it will shock people who are asleep, but those that are of the day, which talking about believers who are awoke, and I don't mean woke like liberal America means woke, I mean like awake, you're not asleep, you're not uh, unaware of the times, you're connected properly, you're, you're alive spiritually, you're being led by the Spirit, you're not um, asleep and discom- in, um, in uh, comfort in a way that separates us from the Lord, you know? And so we've been talking about that, and it's interesting that Josh, where Josh has already left, he said there was a word about, um, he talked about exhaustion, I believe was the word he used. What was the word he said up there? Was that the word? Weariness of soul. That's very interesting because I woke up this morning, and as I was spending time with the Lord, that's what I was picking up. That's what I started feeling, and I felt like the Lord said he wanted to give us rest this morning. And I want to talk about that a little bit in my message. I do have a few other things I want to bring out, but I think rest is one of the most important things that we can do as believers in this time. We need to understand rest. Rest is more than just laying down and getting a good nap. (laughs) There's a spiritual rest that we're supposed to walk in even all the time. We're supposed to stay in the Lord's rest. You know, when the Lord accomplished everything at the cross, that was the Sabbath rest that God had given us. And I have numerous messages on the Sabbath rest that you can check out on our podcast. How many people know we had a podcast? Okay, well, we got a podcast. So if you want to check out back messages, you can go to our website, which is what? (laughs) What is our website? It's Mornings. If you Google Morningstar Wilmington, it'll bring up a website. And you can go to that website, <clears throat> and it has a link on our podcast. And uh, so all the messages that we've done over the last, I guess, three years uh, are on there. And uh, so you can check those out. We've got a number of good, me- I think, good messages. On, we did a healing series, prophetic training series, evangelism series. We've got all kinds of stuff on there. It's really good. Morningstarwilmington.org. Thank you. Did you Google it? <laughs> Okay. All right. Awesome. All right. So in the vein of what I've been speaking on, and if you hadn't heard it, go back and listen to it. Um, I want to talk to us about how to, the ways that we're called to survive in the days that we live in. And because we're living, I truly believe in the last of the last days. I mean, I really, really, really believe that. You know, I've always believed that I would probably see the Lord's return, but I'm convinced of it now. I mean, barring me dying in the next, you know, 10 to 30 years, I think I'm going to see the Lord's return. And that could happen, you know. I could, you know, there's an important thing about being aware that, you know, the Scripture says, teach me to number my days that I may obtain a heart of wisdom. And there is something about realizing that every 
day you have on this earth is an opportunity. And Paul said that he was in um, conflict because he didn't know whether to go on and be with the Lord or to uh, stay here. And he says that if I go to be with the Lord, that's great. That's, that's the greatest of all. His heart was there. He wanted to be there with the Lord. But if he stayed on, he knew it would be fruitful labor for those on the earth. And I think that's the mindset we as believers should have. If we're not, on, and if we're not f- excited about the thought of being with the Lord one day, then there's something that's, that's not quite right in our spiritual condition. There should be a hunger and a love and a desire to be with him. And if that's not, if the thought of him coming back or you going to be with him doesn't in some way excite you, that's, an, that's a telltale sign that there's something spiritually sick in you. There's something that needs, needs to get touched. You need to get that first love renewed where you're on fire again, where you just desire to be with him. You're in love with him. We got to live like that. And Paul was in that place. He knew to go with the the Lord. But while we're here, we have a work to do. You're never, ever going to get this time that you have on this earth back. Once it's gone, it's gone. This is our time to have fruitful labor in the earth to impact eternity by this temporal, momentary life that if, you know, most of us know you know, when you're young, you don't realize what this is. But when you start getting a little age on you, you realize you blink your eye and, the, and you've half your life's over. And then you blink again and now you're in your, you know, your last years, you know, potentially. And this goes by quick all the time. And so, you know, this is not what we need to be living for. We need to be living for that. And if we're living for that, it will impact how we live for this in a way that impacts that. And that's the, what we need to do. So I've had a number of prophetic experiences, things the Lord's given me that I've had other people that I know also getting very similar words about a storm that's coming. I think the storm's here, but I think it's going to, it's like a, you, you know, us Wilmington people, we know about hurricanes, right? It starts with a lot of wind, you know, and then some rain, and the closer you get to the eye, the worse, it can, you know, that, that band starts hitting you, and then you get a little break in the center, and then you get the back end. But it starts off, I think we're in the early stages of a major storm that's hitting the earth, and I think there's waves that we need to be prepared, and as a shepherd, at least over this church, I want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to prepare God's people to thrive in the midst of difficult times. Paul said that in the last days, difficult times will come. He knew it. We're in those difficult times. I think there's a period of time that it's going to get worse, and then it's going to get better. The reason I know it's going to get better is because the Bible says so. Jesus wins. You know that? Jesus wins. Look at the the last, Revelation 19, I love this, in six verses it says four times, hallelujah, hallelujah. And in every aspect where it says hallelujah, it's directly relating that God's judgment on this harlot that had corrupted the earth with her immoralities. This world system that is corrupting the earth right now, this beast that this harlot rides on that is taking over the world, we're supposed to be excited when God begins to execute judgment 
on this system. And that's Revelations 19, the first six verses, four times he says, hallelujah. Hallelujah is to praise Yah. Hallelujah. Praise to Yah. Yahweh, Jehovah, the God, Father, (laughs) you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so we're to be rejoicing when God does that. And I know God's going to do that. And we're going to get to see that. In the meantime, felt like he gave me a few things just to real quick go over. These are just the basics, really, of Christianity. It's amazing how little we actually don't have it on the forefront of our mind to be practicing these things in often cases. But if you do these three things, these fundamentals, you're going to be okay. All right? How many want some fundamentals that if you do this, you're going to survive the times? All right? Here they are. I did a message a few, uh, maybe a month ago, maybe two months ago, I lose track of time, but it was called Feed Yourself. The 30-second version of that message is that you as a believer are responsible for your spiritual nourishment. It's not your pastor's job. It's not your mama and your daddy. It's not your, your, your brothers in the Lord. If you are not feeding yourself, what happens if, if you're waiting on someone to feed you physically? Unless you're a little baby, you're going to go hungry because nobody's going to sit there and spoon feed you. They're going to say, you got two arms. Why are you asking me to feed you? Grow up. Grab a spoon. Start to feed yourself. Well, that's the way it is spiritually with us. You should be digging into the word of God every day of your life. You should be getting closer to him. You should be a longing for the pure milk of the word, as Peter tells us. You should be having a hunger for God's word. And if you don't, it's okay. You can go to God and say, Lord, I don't have hunger for that, but I know that I should. Would you give it to me? And then you pick up your Bible in faith. <laughs> you know, there's days, I have days and days and days of my life where I've read the Bible even though my flesh didn't want to. If you're only doing what your flesh wants you to do, you're not being led by the Spirit, you're led, being led by the flesh. And the flesh, we know that if we sow according to the flesh, the, fre- the flesh reaps corruption. My flesh never wants to go pray. My flesh never wants to spend time with God. But for all my adult life, I've set that as my priority. When I get up in the morning, my first thing is to grab my Bible and go get along with the Lord. To read, to pray, to give him priority whether I feel like it or I don't feel like it. And you know what? I've been doing that for a long, long time, at least 26 years. And I can tell you that I don't, my flesh doesn't fight it like it used to. You know why? Because it's learned you're not going to win this battle. He's committed. He's doing this whether you like it or not. You know, that's part of what fasting does for us. It tells our flesh, you're not controlling me. Jesus said, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I'm not living just to feed this flesh. I'm living to feed the spirit. And fasting is a, is a I think, a Christian discipline that is necessary to put the sin in the flesh that, that Paul spoke about in Romans 7, to put that flesh under putting it under submission to the spirit man. So the first thing we have to do is feed ourselves. We have got to have a healthy relationship with the Lord. And that includes, 
You know, I think when you're talking about healthy relationship with the Lord, these are the kind of things that we should be doing and encountering. We should be giving time to sitting still before the Lord, reading the word, praying, just talk to God, talk to him, and then listen. Have time. You know, one of the things people say, oh, man, I want to hear God, I want to hear God, but they never get still. Scripture says, be still and know that I am God. I think there's a way that when we're not willing to slow down our soul and get still, we're not really going to know God. You can't know God if your soul's already revved up. And uh, th- that's important, you know, that we learn how to slow our soul down, turn the TV off sometimes, turn the radio, turn the noise off. You know, there's people that say, well, I'm getting spend time with God. I'm, I got the Christian radio on. Christian radio is great, but you need to, we need to get still before the Lord. We need all the stuff, all the noise to get quiet so that we can give rest on the inside. And you can't do that when this thing's going 20 miles an hour. And I lived my life like this and didn't even know it until the Lord told me to sit down for a year and a half and be still. It was the hardest year and a half of my life, but it was the best year, of my, the, the most fruitful year and a half of my life. Because I learned things in that time of sitting down. The Lord had me sit on a couch and don't do anything. And that, was, that about killed me. But you know what happened? Uh, it changed my life because at that point in my life, I would get out of a shower, put on clothes. It can be the middle, middle of winter. In about 10 minutes, my underarms were soaked. I would sweat all the time. And I didn't realize it until I sat still for that time and I began to, until I finally broke that thing where my mind was racing and my soul, I realized that I was living anxious and I didn't even know it. I was full of anxiety and I didn't even know it. But being still during that time period broke that thing off of me and now I can tell pretty quick when I begin to get revved up and I get out of peace. You know, we're supposed to live in peace. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. If you don't have it in your life, there's, then there's the fruit. What is fruit? It's the byproduct of a tree. Okay, So if it's the fruit of the Spirit, a byproduct of the Spirit being control of your life should be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Right? If you're not having those things, then the, then the fruit is not there because maybe, I mean, do I got to say it? (laughs) If you want the fruit, you got to have the spirit. If you want the fruit, you got to have the tree, right? So if you don't have the tree in your life, you're not going to have the fruit in your life. If you want the fruit of the spirit, you got to have the spirit. You got to have the Holy Spirit. We need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You're not going to make it as a overcoming, thriving Christian, if you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life. Jesus said, or the scripture says that all those that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So we must have an intimate relationship with the Spirit. And part of the rest that God is calling us to is learning how to get our souls still. It's not just a nap. Those are good too. Those are important. You know, God gave the man the Sabbath because the man needed rest. And there was a spiritual message in that as well. And we need to rest. 
And I want to talk about that a little bit further. So the first part is healthy relationship with God. I'm going to dig into the rest a little bit in a minute. The next part is staying connected to the body. I see more believers get sidetracked by this very one thing. They don't do this. So we're talking about how to thrive in the times that we're living. There are storms that we must get ready for. If we, don't, if we haven't built our house on the rock, when the storm comes, what happens? Y'all know the passage of Scripture? Jesus says, those that hear my words and acts on them is like a man who builds his house upon a rock, and when the storms come and the winds come and the waters come, that man's house stands. But the one who hears the word but doesn't do it, he's built his house on the sand, and when the storm comes, the house falls. So we have to know that we're building our house upon this rock, which is by hearing his word and doing it. There is a storm coming, and if we want to survive this storm, we have to do the things that he says to do. And if we're not doing those things, we're basically building a house on sand that's not going to make it through the storm. But if you want to make it through the storm, Jesus already told you, told us, do what I tell you. Hear it and do it. Be a he- not just a hearer of word, but a doer of the word. And we are all guilty to some extreme of hearing things and not acting on it. And so one of the ways is staying connected. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. It says, pursue the sanctification, right? Pursue sanctification, without which no one will see the Lord. And it says, do not forsake the assembling together of the brethren, as is the habit of some. There is a, even in Paul's day, there was a tendency to disconnect from the body. You know, it's just me and Jesus. I'm out here doing my thing. With me and Jesus, we're going to be okay. You're not going to be okay. You will not make it in the days ahead as a believer by yourself. Let me give you a passage of scripture we're going to turn to. Deuteronomy 25, 17, and 18. I'm going to turn there. All right, so in Exodus 17, 8 through 16, you see, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to give you an overview. But in that passage of scripture, you see the children of Israel coming across the Red Sea. They'd come over the Red Sea, and uh, they're, they're, as they're moving through the desert, they got attacked by the Amalekites. There's great revelation in this story, but that's not really what I'm preaching on today. I'm not preaching about so much the Amalekites, but their strategy. The Amalekites represent something, and the Scripture, you know, the, the Lord give us, gave us the Old Testament. It says that, he's get, that all these things were written for our instructions upon whom the ends of the earth have come, in the ages have come. All those things were written for us as an example so that we can learn from it. And so when we see this picture, it, God's trying to tell us something. The children of Israel, I forget, it's like millions of people, are moving through the desert, and the Amalekites began to attack them. And, you know, we know this is the passage of Scripture where Moses' arms had to be held up, and as long as his hands were held up, the, 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 the Israelites won, but when his hands got weary, they fell down. He had to have someone prop his arms up, so, because as long as he had proper support, there was victory. It took other people supporting Moses in order for victory to come. Everybody has a role to play, and when we're not engaged in our role, 
then we have lack and we're going to get defeated. But when we are all playing our part and we're properly joined together and we're all holding each other's arms up, we have victory, okay? But here's the interesting thing about that. That right there alone shows us our need for one another. In Deuteronomy 25, verse 17, the Lord's about to give us some insight on what his strategy, the Malachite strategy is, and this is very important for us. Remember what Amalek did to you along the way when you came out from Egypt, how he met you along the way and attacked among you all the stragglers at your rear when you were faint and weary and he did not fear God. Okay? So the Amalekites attacked the children of Israel, but who did they attack? They attacked the stragglers who were separated from the group. Y'all see that? They're straggling behind. They're not with the rest of the group. The group's way over there, and these guys are easy prey because they're by themselves. And that's what it's like for all of us when we don't adhere to what the Lord says about being assembled together. We're called to be assembled together. That's not just, hey, I'm going to church on Sunday. No, that's your, what is assembly? What does it mean to be assembled? What's that saying when you, when you buy furniture or something, you know, or toys for your kids? Some assembly required, you got to put the parts together. You know, Paul was nothing without Barnabas. Barnabas went and got Paul, and in the connection, it released Paul into his destiny. There are people that we're called to be connected with, and when we don't get properly connected with the body, the way we're, God's called us to be connected to the body, then we're not going to be walking in what we're supposed to be walking in. And just think about that a minute. What if Barnabas would not have went and got Paul and left Paul out there all by himself? And what if Paul said, you know what? Nah, I'm not coming with you. I'm good. Me and Jesus has got this going on by myself over here. He would have never walked in what he was called to walk in because he was you can't do it by yourself. And in so doing that, think about all the fruitful ministry that was released through Paul's life, all the scriptures that we have, all the churches that were birthed. That all came because of a connection with the body. There are people that are the key to your destiny. I'm telling you that. You will not reach your destiny by yourself. It will not happen. Why? Because God intended it this way. We must be assembled together. Do not forsake the assembling together of the brethren. Scripture talks about Ephesians 2.22, and we've talked about that. Me and Paul, I know, have, have gone over that a lot about how every joint supplies. A joint is where two parts come together, and there's life supplied when we get connected with one another. You need to know who are the people that you're supposed to be connected with in the body. What's your place? If you don't know that, just get with God. Start asking him those questions. Get engaged in a home group. Make sure you're you're going to church. I'm going to tell you a story. How many know who Bob Jones is? Okay, half the room. Bob Jones is probably one of the... There's lots of Bob Jones in the world, so don't get confused because there's, there's a lot of Bob Jones. Bob Jones really was a prophet of God. I mean, he really was. Uh, he's read my mail so many times, had things prophetically for me over my life that was just right on. Uh, first time my wife met him, he started telling her things that nobody could have known but her, and she broke down crying. I mean, it was, it was really amazing. 
He, this guy prophesied that there would be an earthquake. I don't remember if he gave the date, but I know he said there would be an earthquake in this place at, around this time, and the whole world would see it. Well, it happened, just like he said it would happen, and it was during the uh, Major League Baseball, and, and it, they were videotaping it, and so they, it was caught on camera, and they got broadcast all over the world. He, he prophesied that. He prophesied in Charlotte. I'm from Charlotte. And he prophesied that a black panther was coming to Charlotte and it was going to live on an old lumber yard. And everybody's like, well, because we knew this guy and we knew he was accurate, but we didn't know what that meant. He didn't know what it meant. He just said the Lord showed him this. Well, a few years later, the NFL team, the Panthers, got birthed in Charlotte and they built the stadium on Charlotte's old lumber yard. Can't make that stuff up. This guy was very, very uh, accurate. And so I'm, I'm lifting him up a little bit because, I, because this guy was one of the, he was a father of the faith. He's one of the most spiritual guys I know. I, I have a great deal of respect for him. He's went on to be with the Lord. Here's why I'm saying all that. Bob, who really was a prophet of the Lord, I mean, he, I can't tell you, he would, he, he told, he would call, he called Rick, the pastor in Charlotte, numerous times and said, look, you dreamed this last night and this is what it means. I mean, it wasn't like this guy's like a, hey, I feel like the Lord might be saying, you're going to have a good day today. I mean, it was like high level prophetic words. This guy's, it was pretty amazing. So back in, I guess, early 2000s, maybe, I lose track of time. I have this dream. And in the dream, Bob uh, was ministering to some people and it was incredible. The anointing of God that was being released on, off of him in this dream was incredible. But as I looked at Bob, Bob's skin was very leathered. You could tell that he was, he was, he was homeless. And you know how the, the weather does to people that live out in it all the time? It, there's a, like the, you can see it on their skin. It's just it's hard living exposed to the weather. It's a rough life. When you live like that, it's, it's, there's, a, there's a physical toll that it takes on you emotionally too. I mean, there's just a tough life. Well, in the dream, I could tell Bob was homeless and the weather was beating the mess out of him. And when I woke up from his dream, I'm like, wow, what in the heck? And I started praying. I was like, Lord, what is this about? And the Lord speaks to me. He says, he doesn't have a home church, so he has no covering over him. And he's taking a hit from the elements, from the, from the enemy, from the element that, that he would not be having to deal with if he had a proper covering by being in a home church. And so I, I went to Rick and I said, look, I just had this dream about Bob. This is what the Lord spoke to me. I shared it with him. He's like, I just told Bob that. He's like, you need to share this dream with him. So Bob happened to be coming to town uh, that week and I saw Bob, and I shared the dream with him and told him what I felt like the Lord told me. And he thanked me, and that was it. I, thought, I don't know how long past that, maybe six months, he had moved <laughs> to be a part of our church. If people like Bob, who were the most spiritual people I knew, and were walking in an anointing that I longed to walk in, if they are going to get the mess beat out of them because not being under proper covering by being connected with the body... We all need it. We all need it. And that's my point. There are no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. 
You don't make it without being connected to his people, period. Okay, it's just, it's just the bottom line. If you want to survive the times that we're living in, you better be connected to the body. And I don't just mean you go to a church occasionally. Get connected with the group of people God's called you to be. If you're not sure, start asking God to show you. Get in a home group. Home group is where real Christian life goes, happens. Some of my most growth I've ever had in my life happened in home groups. I cut my teeth prophetically in home groups. I cut my teeth leading worship in home groups. I cut my teeth in trying to be faithful in home groups because to go to that home group meant I had to sometimes deny myself sleep because of my work schedule to go to home groups, but I knew the Lord told me to go, so I went. Can't tell you how many times I'd, I'd have to, I'd be waking up out of a 45 minute nap when I wanted a three hour nap. And it was, it was, I was sitting there thinking, oh, I'm not going to go. And then this little voice inside you, faithfulness. And you get up out of bed anyway and you go. And you know, those nights are always the best. When you overcome the flesh to go anyway, man, God shows up. So awesome. So we have got to learn how to be connected in his body. Relationship with God, number one. Relationship with one another, being properly connected, knowing where you fit in the body. But here's where I want to talk about rest a little bit. Notice this. How he met you along the way and attacked among you all the stragglers at your rear when you were faint and weary. The enemy knows the best time to attack us is when we are faint and and weary. Y'all realize that? That's, that's the strategy of the devil. He's going to he's gonna try to wear you out. It says in Daniel, talks about them wearing out the saints. Y'all know that scripture? If you mind quote it, yell it out. I'm, I'm, I just remembered it as I was doing this. You know what I'm talking about? The scripture says he tries to wear out the saints. Okay. That's also mentioned in Revelations where it talks about three and a half year period where the, uh, where the beast makes war against the saints. One of the greatest ways the enemy tries to derail us and to kill us and to fight us is by wearing us out. So we must actually avoid being worn out. Well, how do we do that? I'm going to do this quick because I wanted more time for ministry and I, <laughs> I got a big mouth. I keep talking. How do we keep from being exhausted? How do we stay rested? Scripture says in Isaiah 40, it talks about those that wait on the Lord. They will renew their strength, right? One of the biggest ways that we are exhausted and weary is because we're not spending time waiting on the Lord. Now, that is multiple directions you can go with that. A lot of that is when we get out of God's timing and we spend and we do things without the Lord really being the timing of the Lord and we get worn out through battles that we wouldn't have had to fight if we were doing things in God's timing. Does that make sense? We fight things that we wouldn't fight because we're, we're stepping out of the timing of the Lord. We're not waiting on him. The God, this is one thing Bob says that I've always remembered, and I, and I have found this to be true from the Lord for myself, but God only appreciates what he initiates. He's not interested in your good ideas. He's not. 
He does not care. I've had a lot of really good ideas that I thought would change the world to just turn around and find out, you know what? You just wasted a whole year and a half of your life and all your energy on a good idea that God wasn't blessing. He wasn't initiating it. It wasn't fruitful. It wasn't from the Lord. Unless the Lord builds the house, they that build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord keeps watch over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It's vanity to rise early and go to bed late and eat the bread of painful labor for the Lord gives to his beloved even in their rest. Even in their sleep, he gives them, he gives to them. That's the place we're supposed to be living out of. Do not make the mistake of trying to make to direct your own life. Let God direct your life. It's, that's not easy. That's being a bondservant. That's saying, Lord, okay, you own me. I'm yours. I don't have a right to make decisions for myself, where I'm going to work, where I'm going to live, what projects I'm going to take on. Everything that I do must be coming from the, the Spirit's leading. Otherwise, you're wasting time. And here's, the, here's a problem with it. We don't have so much time. We, have unlimited, we don't have unlimited resources. So if you're not prioritizing your time, what's going to happen? Because this is inevitable. If you don't prioritize your time, then the minor things that are not priority will always eat up and, and steal from the things that are the highest priority. That's just a, that's like Murphy's Law. You know, anything bad can happen, will happen. When you don't be intentional about guarding over the highest priorities, the minor priorities sneak up, and because you're not managing your time, those things end up stealing from you. That's why I say it's very important. What are the priorities of our life? Is getting to know Jesus and really being intimate with him and knowing his word and walking with him, is that the priority of your life? If it is, you better put that first. Don't wait until later on the day to get with the Lord. You got to be at work at seven, then get up at five. If that's the priority, then put it. You know, we're living in the days. It's time to stop talking about stuff and start living it. If he is your priority, live it. And if he's not, stop pretending. I'm sorry. I know that's, that's a little bit hard, but guys, we don't have time not to be honest anymore. We're in this storm. And if we're playing church and playing games and we're not putting him as the priority of our life, you're going to soon see that very clearly. It's going to be obvious. Come on, can I, come on. Is that not true? We, we have got to live this way. So be still and know that I am God. So we have to make sure that we're allowing that time to be still before him. That's the number one stealer of our rest is busyness. You know that? Busyness without being led by the spirit will produce death in you. You will be exhausted all the time. There is another thing, and this is a little more tricky to navigate, but sometimes we start fights that we're not, we, we, sometimes we engage in battles we weren't meant to engage in. And they can look like we were. And it can be the right battles. There are battles that are going on right now across this, this earth that have to be fought. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but to bring a sword. We're in the time of war. I want you to understand that you're in a time of war. 
Christ versus Antichrist because that's the, that's the culmination of what we're coming to, and that's what you see. You can see the spirit of Antichrist all over the governments of the world, all over entertainment, all over everything that has money and power. The Antichrist spirit has worked its way in there, and because that was his intention, we're at war with the Antichrist spirit. We are in serious days, okay? But if you, we have to be careful that we're only battling the battles that the Lord's called us to fight. If you engage in all the battles, you will be worn out and won't win the battle that you were actually called to fight. Some of you are called to battle abortion. Abortion is something that needs to end. But if God's not called you to do that, and you're spending all your energy fighting that, when God's really called you over here to battle, educa- get on the education mountain and begin to fight for these kids, you can't fight for everything. You can't. You need to know what battle God's called you to fight. All throughout the Old Testament with the children of Israel, and especially with David, and I love this about David, David, before he would go into any battle, he would ask the Lord what he had to say. And he would hear from God, and in the hearing, he would release a plan, and David would follow that plan. And that is so key to winning battles. You don't win battles by just fighting. You need to hear God and do what he says, and you'll win the battle. If you just go in your own strength, you will lose. It's God who gives us the battles. It's God who gives us the victories. Does that make sense? So the first part of not being exhausted is making sure we're spending time with the Lord. Second thing, we're not, we're not doing things that he hadn't called us to do, even good things. We're not even fighting battles that we're not called to fight, okay? This is resource management, prioritizing what's important. We have to do that, okay? We need to be careful, and this is hard. I struggle with this. We need to be aware, as Paul said, don't be unaware of the schemes of the enemy, okay? We need to be aware of what the devil's trying to do. But that should never, ever take our main focus. If it does, you will live hopeless, depressed, and feel defeated because you see what the enemy's doing and you don't see what God's doing. If you look out here and you see this huge army coming at you, and you'll recognize this story, and that's all you see is this army that surrounded you, you're going to get upset, worried, depressed, saddened. But what was the, what was the divine response? Lord, open his eyes. Remember, and then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked up and he saw myriad of angels with swords of fire. And when he began to see things from a heavenly perspective, this little army out here, he ain't worried about that. What is that army? I look, what, look at this. <laughs> but the problem is if our eyes are only natural eyes, all we'll see is what's going on out here and we'll be depressed But if we allow the Lord to get our eyes open and see what God is doing, we'll see that God has a plan. He's not left us. He's never going to leave us. He'll never forsake us. And that we can have our focus on what he's doing. And in that place, it's going to revive us, restrengthen. Worry will steal more of your strength and your rest and anything you can do. Worry and anger, they've proven scientifically that it's, it's worse on you than one day of hard labor. A moment of worry, 
A moment of worry and anxiety is more exhausting to your body than a full day of hard labor. That's why Jesus said, be anxious for nothing. Okay? All right, well, Lord, we're asking for help for this. There's a lot. We could keep talking about this. There's so much that we need to learn here, Lord. Father, but we want to enter into your rest. We want to live from a place of seeing you. And Father, we're asking for grace for us to to hear your word and obey it and to set you as our priority and not live from uh, an earthly perspective, Lord, but to live with heavenly eyes open to what you're doing. Father, I ask for the spirit of grace upon us all to rest, to be at rest inside of us, that there's no war going on inside of us. There can be a war outside, but not. we don't need a war inside. Let the peace of God reign in our hearts, Lord. Let that fruit of the Spirit just flow in us because the tree of the Spirit is in us, the tree of life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you.